right we're recording i'm great at technology luke okay here we are how you doing doing well man how are how are you today i'm doing well uh it's raining that's unfortunate but all things considered it's been pretty good uh first sermon talk back in a minute last week i preached and we had other things going on uh in the world and in Asheville. Um, and on Church Street, which were exciting, uh, but it also just meant that we were letting other voices speak kind of during that week um, and trying to, to take that posture of uh, creating space uh, and listening, and so that's why we did not have one uh, last week, because as much as I love to hear myself, uh, not really what was called for at the time. <laughs> no, um, no, it wasn't. Yeah. But that's okay. That's part of part of the process of amplifying other voices. Yeah. Uh, so that we can move, uh, hopefully, our world in a different direction. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Luke, we'll start out how we normally do. State your name, blood type, that sort of thing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, because the last time we talked, it was right at the beginning of COVID. So it was like, this is the direction we're going. And as you can tell, Things are still not back to normal, but we're hitting a different rhythm of normalcy and um, kind of a new rhythm of life. So what's it kind of been like over uh, for you and, and your role at Central and um, how can people get in touch with you or see some of the stuff you've been doing, et cetera? Yeah, so I'm Luke, Director of Leadership and Vision. Uh, honestly, a lot of my work uh, the last uh, few weeks has been to be as supportive as possible for our staff that are doing incredible work. Uh, um, <laughs> one of our staff members, Andrew, is working on this innovation lab with our youth group. And it's kind of funny, we're all kind of in an innovation lab right now. Yeah. Uh, and trying to figure out new ways and and different ways to engage and engage uh, in ministry and, and community and, uh, and to share God's love in the world. And so a lot of my work has been uh, helping to make sure that our staff have the tools they need, that you all need, uh, the support you need, that you're taking time off. It's really easy to get on Zoom first thing in the morning and Zoom with everybody till dinner time. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And I wouldn't know uh, anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I think it's really important for all of us to remember uh, who are pastors and leaders in the church that. Uh, we also are experiencing the pandemics of our world right now and grieving those and trying to navigate them uh, as pastors and leaders. And so uh, a big portion of my work has been to say, hey, you taking a day off? Are you resting a little bit? Uh, and then the other piece that, that we're doing uh, that was reflected last week is um, uh, so the, the systemic uh, nature of racism and the systems that cause it uh, to be a part of who we are and, and finding our role as the church uh, and not being complicit in that anymore. And so over the last couple of weeks, uh, part of my work has been to work with uh, leaders in our, our church community, black leaders in our church community and uh, in, in the city of Asheville and to uh, make sure that we are supporting and amplifying voices and, as we'll see in our talk back about Rob Sermon, also not being silent. And um, so, yeah, that's been been what's going on. Yeah, I thought Rob had a really good uh, quote in his sermon about 
he just said, oh, well, you know, we had a service with a black church last year and that that can't, can no longer be enough, you know. Um, yeah. And I know that in our staff meetings, we've been really trying hard to focus on how do we acknowledge the, uh, the systemic issue of racism that um, is pervasive in the church and, uh, and how the church became so divided as it is now almost, uh, you know, between white churches and black churches and et cetera. But then also how do we move forward? How do we, you know, yes, we came to this point, but how are we going to say enough is enough and move forward? And I think that that's been a lot of our conversation. So I think I'm excited about that um, as much as one can be excited about that and, and really hoping that, you know, we will make um, some change. And I think Central's always tried to exemplify being nimble uh, and reacting to something uh, in a way that is not only positive and, and for that time, but also uh, it's, you know, perennial in nature that it won't just be, um, right now uh reaction but that it'll be uh, forward looking um and so i think that rob sermon will kind of our talk back will kind of talk on some of those points of the right now but also in the what is to come hopefully so yeah yeah i, I agree it, you know not to jump ahead to the sermon talk back but if if we are going to be active participants in bringing and participating in God's shalom in the world, mm -hmm. uh, then we have to be active participants in anti-racism. Yeah. And, and I think that's at the heart of what we'll talk about now or yeah. whatever you want to do. <laughs> Luke, you're excellent at segues, keeping me on task. That's why you're here. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> it's, a t it's a difficult job. No one's been able to do it thus far. I'm glad that you have taken the reins. Um, so... Yes, shalom is is really at the at the core of uh, Rob's sermon. This idea of peace, and so I'm going to kind of begin there. Um, this was actually a scripture we've used a couple times this year. I don't know, if, but different pieces of it. You know, right after this is the doubting Thomas story, which uh, we used kind of at the beginning of this COVID crisis, where you, me, and um, Lisa, you know, had a a talk or a conversational sermon about that, and. We actually used uh, bits and pieces of this, and I did in the Pentecost sermon saying, you know, uh, when he breathed the Holy Spirit, and Rob actually had mentioned it before. So this uh, has really been a, you know, kind of a touchstone for our community this year. And I think primarily it is because of what's happening at the time. You know, you have people that are huddled inside, that are nervous. You have uh, people that are unsure. Um, and then you have Jesus coming in. Uh, disrupting, but disrupting in a way that is different than the way the world would disrupt and, and leaving them with something uh, that seems simple to us, but then as you begin to break it down, you realize that it's so complex. And that's this idea of peace, you know, the peace that I give to you. And Rob said, you know, we can think of peace the ways that we do, like no war, or like you have a household of four kids, like when all the kids are getting along at the time, you know, that that's like peace in the household for a second. But the peace that they're talking about is this peace that is true wholeness, um, what we would call a shalom peace where everyone has what they need. Every, not just every person, but all of creation um, has reached a point where it is as it was intended to be by God. Um, and that, you know, we are kind of straying away from um, this piece currently, and, and Rob said this would have been 
you know, grievous unto Jesus, this separation of people, because at the heart of his life was this idea of shalom, this bringing together of all people and all creation um, into true love and, and back to what uh, true creation was. What did you think about Rob's use of peace and, and kind of how that's been a guiding light for us now and going forward? Yeah, I, you, you alluded to, the, to the, a quote that I wrote when I re-listened to the sermon this morning but to get ready for our talk. It, and, and what Rob said exactly was, I cannot think of a more grievous violation of shalom than that of racism. Yeah. And um, I mean, one of the things that, that has been uh, the conversation is, you know, folks will say all lives matter. Yeah. And yes. But right now we need to say black lives matter. And the reason yeah. being is that black and brown people are being harmed uh, for their skin color. And uh, if we think that the body can be whole, if that part of our body, our black and brown sisters and brothers, are being harmed, then, then we can't have shalom. We can't, yeah. we can't have a holistic peace. Uh, there, there's so many stories throughout the scripture. You think of the 99 sheep and the one. Uh, you think of the, um, the body of Christ. If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And, mm -hmm. and I think part of, our, our, the, part of what makes it so grievous, I think, is that um, it's taken, for many of us that have been complicit, it has taken so long for us to say enough's enough. And, and that is um, something for which uh, I am repentant of, uh, that I am uh, sad for, and I'll say simultaneously, I am hopeful that if folks actually see and are willing to participate together in the dismantling of a system that is created primarily for not having shalom mm -hmm. to create a new system. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about with the new kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if we actually believe and hope and think that we can participate in the bringing of this kingdom here on earth, then, then the new kingdom doesn't look like uh, a system that is, or the current kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's not that, business as usual. No, it, it just can't be, and it shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, uh, each generation, each group of people, each church, each individual has a choice each and every day to determine what, what we're going to participate in and how we're going to participate in. Uh, I think that's part of what Rob's sermon called us to this weekend is uh, we have an active role uh, in, in Shalom. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an active role in creating Shalom. And yeah. And we can't start that line. You're going in the, the, the direction of my thinking, which is, you know, it was very interesting when this sermon um, was preached, it was on, uh, it was on a communion Sunday, right? And so, um, Pentecost was, you know, right as the ever we kind of reached uh, the boiling point, and it was like the tipping off that these things can't be the same. And it was that way for the church then, and it 
at the time that way for our church now, hopefully. And then on Sunday, it was uh, a day where we all come to the table um, and bread is broken and, and, and uh, wine is drank and that that is a glimpse of what peace could look like, right? We always, we try to talk about that when we talk to our confirmands and when we talk to the congregation that, you know, this table, this meal is special and that it's even more seen now at, uh, we're in a disparate place while people are all still taking communion and, and yet it is, it is one body and, and we can be bound together in that one instance and in true peace. But Rob says, you know, when we come to this table, we come with honest confession and genuine repentance. And um, I think that that is what you're getting at, that, you know, a lot of times um, we have left out the honest confession that, you know, we have, uh, that we have been complicit in, in racism or we've, we've ignored that. Um, or we've, we've passed by with not enough repentance for it. We've acknowledged it, but not done enough to say. Um, and I think that if we're going to get to Shalom and get to this kind of living a new kingdom life, like you were saying, and not everything as normal. Um, and Rob said this, we have to begin with ourselves and have an honest confession and a genuine repentance, and then get up, dust ourselves off from that brokenness, um, and then begin to say enough is enough. And so I, I, I'm right there with you that, you know, this idea of shalom is, is going to be hard um, because that's, that's the difference in changing a system, you know. Uh, that's, I, I think that that's where we're moving. What. Well, one of the things Rob talked about when he talked about repentance is he talked about the shadows in ourselves and how we have to acknowledge and, and not just acknowledge, but then uh, work through the, the, the difficulties that are internally and that are, um, and he talked about the overt and covert racism. He, uh, there was a, an infographic that we shared in the e-news last week and that uh, from uh, Building Bridges AVL was one of the folks that put it out. It was all over the country. Uh, the infographic of this um, iceberg. And there's the tip that everybody sees. It's the overt. It's the you know the KKK uh, using. Um, the I mean, you know, there's overt things: killing of young black men by police officers. The yeah. overt things. And then there's this, all this like covert stuff that we um, are complicit in and. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that, but it, it was uh, very convicting. Yeah. Um, but not, the other thing that I want to say that it's not paralyzing though. Yes. Um, I, I want, um, I want to believe, and, and maybe I can say this as a white person. I want to believe that this is possible. I want to be hopeful in that, but I, I don't know that I'd feel that way if I wasn't white. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, I, but I'm hopeful, I'm yeah. hopeful that, this, that this Pentecost Sunday that was a, a tipping point in our country mm-hmm. uh, has led to a week of uh, you know, protests and rallies and prayer and action and peace with justice, a phrase that Rob used in his sermon uh, that we can be a part of the bringing of that shalom uh, in a real way, not in some kind of haphazard or um, futile way, but in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. And I thought 
it was really good of Rob to start there and then he didn't end his sermon, right? He didn't say, we have to repent, we have to, you know, confess and we have to have action, but, and then end it. He, he gave us, you know, some different ideas. And one of them is one I think many people don't always think of, which is this idea of imagination, you know, and he said, you know, this is something we're all given as, as kids, you know, we have this God-given imagination. Um, and that sometimes it has to be sparked and, and used in uh, different ways. And, you know, Rob was quick to point out, we'll never be able to, to fully imagine what it's like to be um, black in America or to be a minority in America um, in the ways that are being persecuted right now. We just won't. Um, and that is part of the honest confession piece. But we can try through compassion and empathy and through imagination um, to see how difficult it is for them and be moved by that uh, into true action. And so he told a story of um, when he was younger and uh, trying to earn some extra money working on an, uh, an, uh, to save some trees that were um, going to freeze uh, in Florida. And the, the man that was the overseer on that property was, you know, pretty rude to him and forced him to sit in the bed of the truck while it drove along. And he's cold and, and wet and tired. And, um, you know, he gets home and he's grumbling about it. Um, but his, his mom says, you know, Rob, that must have been really hard. How long was the ride? And, you know, Rob's mother was so wise and he always listened to her so well. And he said, you know, it was 45 minutes thinking that he's going to get some sympathy here. And she said, you know, that's, that's terrible. Uh, but in reality, that might be the only 45 minutes of discomfort you'll ever have in your life, um, just by the way the system is. You know, that really stuck with Rob that there are people that live every single day with that level of discomfort in their day-to-day -day lives that you had in that brief 45 minutes. And so all of us, you know, we can imagine a time in which we were wronged and et cetera, but think about if that was heaped on you every day of every minute of every hour, that whole time. And, you know, let your imagination think what that would do to you and, and how that would affect you. Um, and would that not move you towards compassion? I don't know. What did you think about that illustration and, and his, his urging us to use our imagination and everything? So I, was, I want to say a couple of things. One is I always love when Rob tells a story about his mom. Uh, uh, she's, I mean, his story about thankfulness that he tells with her is probably my favorite story that I've ever heard him tell. I mean, it's just incredible. So first, that, I'll just say that first, like <laughs> the way she put a point out, the way she used language, it's really incredible. And the way he remembers those stories in the shape. So, uh, but one of the things that I thought about or that reminded me of uh, when Rob was telling that story about um, and, and the, the statement of, um, you know, 45 minutes, this is somebody's whole life, you know, is it reminded me of a quote in uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, uh, uh, Between the World and Me, um, which then also reminded me of a quote from Lamb that I'll talk about in just a second. Uh, and uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, towards the end of the book, writes this. He says, disembodiment is a kind of terrorism, and the threat of it alters the orbit of all our lives. And like terrorism, this distortion is intentional disembodiment mm. and this idea that um someone's existence 
and having a black or brown body that explicitly makes them a target for being harmed simply because of their skin color. It has nothing to do with their personality or what they know or don't know or believe or don't believe or think or don't think. It's simply because of a of melanin. And there and there is pieces of this that are nuanced around culture and that kind of thing. But but you know it it really comes down to skin color. Mm-hmm. And to have your body to be separated out is this thing that is that is you know vile in the world or or meant to be harmed that's that's a that's a form of terrorism and harm that um even if someone's experienced it for a couple minutes for whatever reason but to think and imagine that people that have black and brown bodies are born into this as their existence. What in the world? I mean, that kind of disembodiment that you can't in your own skin feel safe simply by just sitting in a chair or getting your car and playing music or walking out of a grocery store or whatever. so, so imagining that, having that be something that we, uh, that, you know, you and I as two white guys talking about can begin to imagine and part of what Rob was bringing into our conscious through what he said on Sunday. And then having the audacity as people to have faith that we can imagine a different reality. Yeah. And that's part of where Rob ended us is that um, he, he called us to imagining a different reality where folks are not harmed simply because of their skin color and not disembodied because of their skin color. And uh, that reminded me, the word imagination reminds me, I, I, imagination and faith, I think are synonymous there. There's this great study about how our brain works and how the average person talking and thinking uh, just parts of our brain like lights up if you've got the nodes on or whatever. And, uh, but when someone starts dreaming or imagining, it's like fireworks when we, when our, in our brains and it looks like fireworks. And, uh, um, and part of me wonders if Rob didn't hit on one of the biggest um, misses of the church is that we've not allowed ourselves to imagine a different reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that those who have imagined a different reality, our prophets, our Martin Luther Kings, our, our uh, Howard Thurman's, our, you know, that th- we've not listened to those folks that have imagined a different reality and, and, uh, as a church. And there's this great quote at the end of the book, Lamb, where uh, Mary Magdalene is with Jesus and um, Biff, Jesus' best friend, which this book is based on and and jesus and jesus way as he does in the gospels is lamenting just how dense his disciples are and how they're not getting what he's saying and and mary leans on him and says um says jesus faith has never been an act of intelligence rather faith has been an act of imagination Hmm. and 
you know, part of me questions my faithfulness and uh, the church's faithfulness, the church that I'm a part of, um, both central in the, in the context and in the United Methodist Church in a bigger context. And But it doesn't stay with questioning or lament. It, it, the question then moves to, all right, what's, how do we move forward? How do we move through our complicity to action? to move through our complicity to a call for justice, to move through our complicity to uh, advocacy and being allies and uh, not being silent. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Rob was spot on what he called us to and uh, exercising the muscle of imagination is something we haven't done in the church for as much as we should have. And, yeah. and now, and, and why not now? Yeah. No, I thought I think that's really well said. And um I when you were talking, I just imagine, you know, we believe that at our at our birth, even before our birth, you know, that God claimed us as as God's own and that, you know, we were that we are special and that we are beloved children of God created in that image. Um and imagine what it would be like if we truly lived that way, acted that way, and made sure that all people felt that that feeling and that they weren't robbed of that feeling. They weren't disembodied of, uh, yeah. you know, the, the body and the spirit. And that is created in the image of a, an ever loving, peaceful God. Um, it's just, that should, should be our jumping off point for everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, with what you were saying, I, I wanted to end with a part of what Rob was talking about. And it's a, uh, I was looking for, for who said the quote, and I know Rob didn't say who it was. And I think it's because it's been making its rounds on Twitter, which I'm like, does Rob have a secret Twitter account we don't know about? Who knows? Does the man even know that there's an application called Twitter? I'll never know. But the, <laughs> the thing he was saying is, uh, you know, perhaps 2020 uh, is not canceled. You know, perhaps 20, because, you know, when the, when, um, the emergent with the emergence of uh, COVID-19 and our stay-at-home orders and um, quarantine and everything, and even now as we um, kind of limp through phase one and phase two, and we're unsure there, and as we move into um, everything going on in the world, uh, people have been saying, you know, 2020's canceled. Let's just, you know, you know, fold the tent, move down the road, uh, and then on Twitter, and then again, Rob from the pulpit saying, you know, um, 2020 is not canceled. Uh, but instead, you know, maybe it was what we needed. It was so scary. It was so raw. It was so real. It was so on the nose, you know, that it, it might push us towards um, new things. It might, it might uh, help us be kind of the, the spark we needed to move um, forward and to actually make real change and, and to say enough is enough and that we will not go on with business as usual, um, that we will figure out ways uh, to, you know, decry the, the, original sin of racism that is here in America and, and across the world and that, you know, we will make a difference um, in the ways that, that people live and the ways that people love and the way that pe people are cared for. Um, what do you make of that sentiment, you know, that 2020 isn't canceled and how are ways that we're trying to, to show that, how, you know? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, also, does Rob have a fake Twitter? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fake Rob Blackburn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, someone has said, I think Winston Churchill said, every 
every great crisis is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, it's in the middle of World War II, and we can debate whether or not one should quote Winston Churchill or not. But what I do think is that um, I think that there have been prophets in our midst that have been crying out. And for any of us to think, especially those of us of white, predominantly white churches, that we're going to come save the day is ridiculous. Yeah. But what isn't ridiculous is thinking that we can lend our voices and support voices that have already been there mm -hmm. and already been crying out and already been saying it's, you know, it's time to change. And I've been saying that for 400 plus years, right? Like, <laughs> and even before, you know, so, so that's, so that's one piece is that um, this is an opportunity in, in history to, to rethink a history. I mean, history in a, just in the word itself is a problem. Like, yeah. It's written by men, mostly white men over time. So uh, that in of itself is an opportunity uh, to affect real change. And I, I want to come back to this idea of imagination when thinking about 2020. So every time we take communion, every time we talk about resurrection, there's a part of me that kind of like chuckles inside. And the reason I chuckle inside is because it is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know how many people listen to this have ever tried to explain resurrection to like a five-year-old. Well, I'm on my fifth, my, my fourth five-year-old that I've explained this to in my family. And they look at me like I'm crazy. So yeah. daddy, you work at a church because somebody came back alive after being and I was like, and I'm like, yeah, we believe in God came incarnate. And so, you know, if, if that's what we say, and that's what we profess, and that's what we believe in, and that's what guides us to believe that shalom and peace and a new kingdom are possible, then maybe this is possible too. Yeah. You know, and, But I want to be careful with that because I, I don't think it's fair for folks that are awakening that have been asleep mm -hmm. to discredit and discount folks that have worked before what's happening now. Yeah. So I think that's a really fine line to walk, but it doesn't mean you don't walk it. It doesn't mean that you ignore it or that you keep your mouth shut or that you don't do the work or you don't act. It just means that you also recognize and give credit to and um, look to with humility people that have, have been doing the work for a long time. I mean, that's why I like get staff on Tuesday rather than writing a prayer or, you know, having one of the staff lead us in a prayer. We read the lament from the poor people's campaign yeah. that, uh, uh, Dr. Barber put together. So like, like those kinds of things are very important is to mm -hmm. the part of our imagination is imagining that we don't have it all to say and looking towards others and also imagining that we can be a part of the process going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I thought about, um, at the prayer, uh, in action um, last Thursday, 
Al Whiteside's getting up and, and saying, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, 60 years. I, you know, I, I spoke out about this when I was 15 in this same city. I was arrested 14 times when I was in college for civil disobedience around this subject. I'm, I put that into action as a county commissioner and he's still fighting today. And yes, he's tired. And yes, he doesn't want to have to do this over and over and over again. But those are the voices that have been echoing throughout the generations. You know, and it's important that when we hear it, we listen um, and we listen well. And we do our best to, to be inspired um, and let that maybe kick off our imagination. Yeah, that's a great point. I think about, you know, Al Whitesides is the same age as many uh, people's grandparents, you know, and you can see the echoes of that and the way that he moves and his mannerisms and the way that he talks because they were formed by the same generation. And if you can see, you know, any glimpse of love that you have for your grandparents and the, the, what he's saying, then you, you're able to say, wow, like I, I'm beginning to, my imagination is triggered into, into, you know, wondering, you know, you have been doing this for so long, you have been fighting this good fight. And I would like to fall into line with that. And I want to help and I want to be a part of that and be inspired by that. And so I think you're right. We have to, it's a, it's a both and, you know, it is. Uh, and then I think about the disciples. They went through a traumatic experience um, where they witnessed someone they loved dearly uh, be murdered, um, murdered by a corrupt state, murdered by, uh, you know, it, wrongly, uh, the life suffocated from that person. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they, there was a moment of hiding. There's moments of lament. Um, but it, it took Jesus coming and waking them up and saying, you know, I'm giving you this peace. I'm blowing the doors open. You got to get out there and do the rest of the work. Um, yeah. and, and that's what's been triggered in my imagination this week is, you know, the doors have now been blown open. It's, it's not enough um, to sit and hide or, uh, and I'm not saying get on and, and give a diatribe on your social media, but get out in, in your community in a way that's safe during quarantine. Get online and try to educate yourself um, from the leaders that have been doing this for a long time. Cornell West, Ta-Nehisi Coates, there are great books that people are circulating around that we've also put out um, for people. Listen to podcasts uh, and let your imagination be triggered by those people and, and by the disciples and, and by the scriptures and, and let the Holy Spirit kind of move us into a new reality, I think is all we can do. You know, it, it is the most absurd thing to say, I follow a strange man from the Middle East uh, who died, came back to life, and because of that, I am the person that I am. But we all make that statement. And so how, how you know, that's an audacious statement and how audacious is it to say that we can affect change, that we can cry with a loud voice, Black Lives Matter, and that we will continue to say that until one day we truly can say that true shalom has happened, that all people are together, that all creation is back to normal, and that a new kingdom of love is coming on the earth. I think that, you know, that sounds crazy, but I think we could do it. You know, the key is to do our part. Yeah. Keys to do our part. You know, it's, um, I, I don't have another person's role to play, but I have mine. And, uh, and folks listening to this have yours. And, um, and, and we have, we have that to play. And that's, 
that's the key. It's, uh, you know, you go back to the body of Christ thing. We all have, we're all piece of the puzzle. Um, and, you know, if, if one piece of the puzzle is being torn up or thrown away, the puzzle's not going to be whole. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And um, it's crazy that Christians have participated in this and that we have been complicit in it. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is a turning point in, in uh, the story. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Well, Luke, I'm really thankful that we got to do this. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. It's helpful to others. Uh, yeah, me too. As most as, as we can be in our infinite wisdom. Um, but we, we will be at church on Sunday. Um, this Sunday, Rob is preaching again. Um, and then we will have the church offices will be closed starting on that Monday. Um, everyone on staff is kind of committed to checking their email once a day, just in case anything comes up of an emergency. But um, trying to take that time to recharge um, and rest and Sabbath so that to prevent burnout so we can continue to do this work. Um, and then tell them a little bit about the Sunday um, coming up because I think it's really, uh, really interesting and fascinating. And um, I think it illustrates, you know, some of the ways that people's imaginations can be inspired at church and can move them forward. So, Yeah, so Sunday the 21st, uh, Joy Moss is going to be preaching. Uh, Kelly Mullinex is going to be leading, uh, JP Bollock, uh, hopefully some others, uh, Sarah Scruggs Palmer. Uh, these are all folks, uh, and, and this, you know, where we can have out, these are just the folks that we have confirmed today. There are others that we're asking, uh, but folks that have, um, followed a call, heard a call to ministry while being at Central are going to lead us in worship. And so these are all folks that have been a part of the central family over the last several decades uh, that are in some way, shape or form uh, leading in ministry. And they're going to lead us. Uh, those folks that have been our friends and our family uh, are going to lead us in worship on the 21st. We're really excited about that. It's a, it's a testament to central and to the community of central that fosters a culture of calling and also a testament to the folks that will be leading in their call and their work in the world. So we're really excited. It's, it's really nice to, to have those folks kind of come home a little bit and uh, you know, really, and it's a great gift that they're giving to our staff uh, that folks can uh, from the central staff currently can take a, a Sabbath week and, and take a break uh, and just, you know, um, rest, which is what God calls us to do sometimes. Well, thanks Luke. I will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks man. Thank you, Patrick. Bye.